up, everybody? We are here for another episode of Talking Football. It is Kiefer and I. We got our betting show going on here. We actually have been going back and forth, you know, coming up with some names. Uh, actually, Kiefer came up with a good one, Gamblers Anonymous. I kind of like it. Uh, you know, sometimes we want people to know about all of our bets. Sometimes, kind of like last weekend, we're like, ah, maybe we don't really talk about it too much because sometimes you just struggle when you're gambling. Yeah, I tell you, man, it's uh, the highs are high, but at the same time, the lows are sometimes pretty, pretty low. And we had some bad beats where, you know, it's always the games that you are the utmost confident in that bite you. And uh, I just keep coming back to that damn Minnesota-Dallas game. Uh, if you got burned on that, hey, cheers to you, pal, because uh, you're not alone. Let me just tell you, you're not alone. I love it. Yeah. Um, I mean, we obviously missed on our five game parlay. I, I'm much worse than the week before here, but um, overall records here. So we'll just go with, you know, overall against the spread, you're seven and seven. I'm five and four. Um, the over unders, you're four and one looking really good there. I'm six and three there. And then we're both just zero and two in our, in our five game parlay since we started this. So um, I mean, overall bets, 11 and eight for you, 11 and seven for me. Somehow I ended up making one less than you. I think, I think on the first episode, I had one less than you. So you're always going to have one more than me until I eventually find one that I like. But this week we do have 10 bets each here. We will again, make up one of our parlays out of our 10 bets each. Only two of them are the same. So, I mean, technically we're going to be talking about 18 games today. So going to be interesting. Going to be fun to talk about, um, I'll let you kick us off with the college football one. Well, uh, I was just going to say, before we get started, do you, and this is probably an unhealthy activity to do, but do you track your personal bets? Like, obviously, we keep tracking for the show. But, like, uh, throughout the year, do you keep track of your spread versus your over-unders? I do, yeah. So, especially, I mean, on um, on the normal Talking Football podcast, we do our against the spread in the NFL. And so we keep track of that one in college i just have my own little personal in my notes of like how i'm doing and actually now that i think about it, i don't actually keep track of like my win loss record i just keep track of how much money i've won or lost like that's more of what i care about so <laughs> I don't get... just black and red just black and red yeah, yeah um, exactly. but I, I was thinking this is interesting because uh this is something i'm actually going to start doing now because you're know, looking at these you know i'm like okay 500 against the spread which is fine you know you're breaking even whatever but being you know i got to we're both doing pretty darn well in the over under. So I think now this weekend, I might adjust my slip here early in the week and maybe do a couple more over unders where I'm hot, you know, much like we do with teams, how they're doing against the spread. Hey, they're seven and one on the season. Let's ride this team. I think it's, you know, just intelligent gambling to, you know, monitor yourself and see how you're doing. If you're in this for everybody at home, if you're killing it on the over under and you're getting beat up on the spread, maybe invest a little bit on those over-unders, you know, ride where you're hot. You know, we got to play ourselves just like we play these teams. So I just, something exactly. I thought of, and I thought it was kind of neat. Cause uh, yeah, like I don't track, I, I'm with you. I, I keep a number of how I'm doing positive, negative. I don't track the per game or the bet style, but uh, I think I'm going to start doing that just as a little self audit. Yeah. Uh, totally agree there. Um, it's actually surprising. Like, Last year, I had more luck on play, player parlays than I did like against the spread last year. I, I did really good against uh, player parlays. But um, yeah, totally. I, I like the way that we're keeping track of it here. This is kind of giving us an idea of like how we're doing on things. But I'm with you. Ride the hot hand of whatever it is. Um, and hey, if you're struggling in 
NFL betting and you're not in college, I mean, take a break from gambling on Sundays. Like that's acceptable or vice versa, right? Like if you're doing very bad in college, but you're killing it in F- NFL, one good on you because NFL is, seems to be harder to bet on. Um, but yeah. Like, if you're not doing well, just stop. Just get stop. Some help. Also, that is get also acceptable. Help. Get some help. <laughs> we need yeah, to get a, we need to get them to sponsor us. Uh, but hey, talking about riding hot hands, I'll kick us off here. College football. I'm gonna ride the hottest hand in the country. I'm going Michigan State, uh, favored by three at Purdue. And I'm basically riding the Spartans for Kenneth Walker. Every year, it seems we have a quarterback pop up out of nowhere and uh, you know in the NFL draft will make the Joe Burrow rise. Well this year we're getting that from a running back and Kenneth Walker the third in my opinion probably the favorite non quarterback for the Heisman currently. I uh, had a huge game last weekend against Michigan. This is a Purdue team that has been reeling since they lost to Wisconsin. So yeah, I'm I'm going to ride uh, Michigan State. They have a lot to play for. This is an emotional team. Uh Mel Tucker has done a pretty good job of saying, "Hey, I'm not leaving. I'm here, you know, I'm a Michigan State Spartan. This is where I want to be." So for the time being, I'm going to keep riding that team and, you know, hey, they're in control of their own destiny and that is something to play for in this time of year, something to play for is really just about all you need. Yeah, totally agree. Um, obviously college football rankings are, yeah, the, uh, come out today, tomorrow, or the previous day when people start, yeah, Tonight. when people start listening to it, it'll be already passed. But do you think Michigan state is in the top four? I don't, I think what they'll probably do is it'll be Georgia, Cincinnati, maybe Bama, And then they'll just have a cluster of like the Ohio state, Michigan state grouping, because that, and I think that's a safe way to do it is have those teams like five, six, seven, or or four, five, six, either way. That way, once that sorts itself out here in the next couple of weeks, they can go, Oh yeah, we were right. Uh, What I am interested in, I'm just going to check real quick because I don't think we have this team on the slate is no, we don't. Okay. How do you feel about wake forest? Like they're a top 10 team. So, Where do you think they end up tonight? Because this is, I'm going to say, days. I'm going to say nine. I'm going to say okay. that they finish nine. Um, I actually do have, that is actually my top bet that I'm going to jump into in just a second. Oh God, there. I missed it. It was the first one on yeah, the list. First one on the list. Okay. Well, yeah. Pause. So anyways, pause. Don't, Michigan don't state favored by three, take them against Purdue on the road. Yeah. So um, I, your theory might be they lose here. I don't know, but like, I'm going to say why I, I actually am taking Wake Forest at plus three at North Carolina this weekend. Um, for me, it's pretty, it's pretty simple. One, I think they get a little bit disrespected in the rankings tonight. Um, not even being in the top seven, um, with being undefeated. Um, and then, then two, they're playing North Carolina who got a ton of hype coming into the season really have not let into, you know, lived up to it. They're four and four on the season. The North Carolina Tar Heels defense is giving up 31 points per game while which we talked about last episode, Wake Forest's offense, unreal, scoring 44, no, sorry, 43.4 points per game. I mean, you have one of the worst defenses in the conference, one of the best offenses in the conference, and that team is the underdog just because they're on the road. Um, And it's not even like this is a night game in North Carolina Carolina where things might, you know, change atmosphere and everything. This is like a 10 a.m. game. It's bright and early. I think that is advantage Wake Forest. Um, and yeah, I just see no way that Wake Forest loses this game. Uh, plus three, easy for me. Yeah, and this was a game I was like waiting 
for the over-unders to come out because if for some reason though it was in like 72, 73, I was going to smash you over immediately. It came out, I think at like 80 or 82. So I was like, ah, that's, that's a little too rich for me. Uh, so actually, yeah, I don't mind Wake Forest. Uh, I was talking earlier with a couple of my buddies about, you know, almost Cincinnati. And I was like, if Wake goes undefeated in the ACC and they get in over Cincinnati, that's the only way I'm okay with Cincinnati. Like that's the least mad I'll be about the Bearcats not getting in is if Wake Forest gets in. Cause I just want new teams. Okay. I'm just yep. sick of the same four damn teams playing every single year. Uh, but yeah, I don't mind the pick of a uh, Wake Forest going to North Carolina. North Carolina has just been a, they just haven't been, they've been okay. You know, they had the big loss earlier this season against Virginia Tech. Sam Howell's been underwhelming, you know, big shock with a new offensive line and all new weapons. Who would have thought he wouldn't have had the same season he did last year? But, yeah, I think that's going to be an offensive showcase, and that could be a really fun game to get your Saturday started. Yeah, for sure. Um, next one, we both have the same, so we'll kind of just jump into this one. Um, and this one will be part of our five-game parlay, and that is Kentucky at minus one versus Tennessee. Kentucky rival game at home, at night, on ESPN, um, ESPN2 technically. Um, give me Kentucky. They have a legit shot at I, – I don't want to say winning that that side because they're not going to win that side because of Georgia. But, I mean, they, they have a legit shot at finishing the season, going into the bowl game with only two losses, which is just such a huge win for Kentucky. Um, I don't – I see this team finishing at like close to like that 10 to 13 overall. Like, yeah. I mean, this is a team that could still be playing for a new year's game, a new year's yeah. bowl, you know, yeah, which for Kentucky, George- you know, a predominantly basketball school historically, that's huge, you know, to get on the map and say, Hey, we are not just a basketball school. We are a football school. We are an sec team just as much as anybody else through and through. So I like that for Kentucky. Uh, I'm personally a Wandale Robinson night game. Sign me the hell up. Uh, he's still one of the most electric players in the country that doesn't get talked about nearly enough, in my opinion. So I'm right there with you. Uh, I think this is a game that Kentucky can win by a touchdown easy. So for basically being a pick them at negative one, yeah, I'm all about it. Uh, next game I'm going to grab is a little, little off the beaten path. Every now and then you like to mix up these games that don't necessarily get the national attention. So I'm going to go UTSA against UTEP, a inner Texas rivalry and uh, Therese, there's a lot of hidden factors. This is one of those hidden games that I really like. For instance, UTSA is 7-1 and one against the spread this year. When they get more than 295 yards of offense, they're actually undefeated against the spread. And I think this is a game where they can get 400 yards of offense against a UTEP that's still, you know, as a program, still gaining traction. Uh, so I really like UTSA, the Roadrunners, little inter-Texas rivalry here. Uh, I think this might even be a Friday night game. So I was about to say, I think it is a Friday night game. Um, I'm glad you brought this game up. I'm not super familiar with these teams, but I have seen a lot of people talking about this game. So um, I'm happy you brought this up and happy you kind of know, have that knowledge there on this one. So totally for that one. Um, moving over, I have a couple more. I have a couple over-unders now. So um, I'm going to go with the over-under of 53 in the Florida-South Carolina game. Um, that is strictly, I mean, we've seen what Florida has been. They feel like they're just falling apart worse and worse each week. That was one of our big wins last week was taking the minus 14 of Georgia. Um, so last three years, 
2020, 2019, 2018, there have been over 60 points, actually over 65 points in all those games combined between these two teams. Um, so, I mean, history is showing that success is going to be over that 53, which I think is a low number. Um, but I will say my only hesitation is eight of the nine years before those, the last three years, um, it had been well under 50. So like, it felt like for a decade, it was like super, super low scoring. And the only time in those eight out of the, the one time in the nine years, the only time it was over was because I think Florida scored 45 points in one of them. So it was pretty easy to get over when one team scores that many points. But I'm going to take the history of the last three years, basically since Dan Mullen has been a part of the Florida Gators. These games seem to be much higher scoring against South Carolina. Um, and we've talked about this a little bit, like games under like 55 in college are just, they're super enticing to take. So um, it might be a sucker game right here. Uh, I recognize that, but I'm going to take the over 53 here. Yeah, and uh, I this is a game I looked at spread-wise. I looked at the over-under, and I still just have so many questions about Florida that it scared me. Like, I was just like, I'm just, you know, sometimes you look, I'm just not going to touch it. And this was a this was a don't-touch hot game for me. Uh, so, yeah, I'm staying away from Florida, South Carolina. I see – I totally see what you're doing there, especially because I think Florida came out and said Robinson's the guy now. Yep. Uh, so at least we got that part of the puzzle figured out. Now we'll just see what he does on Saturday. So uh, Florida might be a prove it to me team here for another week or two, and then I'll get back into betting on them. Right now, I'm just staying away. Uh, two teams that I feel are going to be struggling this weekend is I'm taking the under in the Clemson and Louisville game at 46, and that's a super low over-under. Okay, this is like a Big Ten over-under. But I just – Clemson has fallen so far. And I feel like every weekend I'm watching them and I'm just like, what the hell happened? What, you know, DJ Ungaleli looks terrible. The little freshman uh, tailback for Clemson actually looked pretty good. I can't remember his name offhand. But then on the flip side, Louisville is a Malik Cunningham show. It's at rushing, throwing, it's all Malik Cunningham. And I think there's still enough core from the Clemson national championship team there on defense. They're going to be able to contain him. And that's going to keep this into that 17, 13 kind of game that Clemson has been playing seemingly every week this season. Yeah. I actually love this. And usually it goes against like what we've talked about in the history of, like you said, for, under 46, but man, Clemson, they don't, they don't score points. They just like, they, it's almost like they can't score over 21. It feels like um, also, Condolences to all those FSU fans last weekend because that was a that was a bad beat um, yeah, that's that, bad. that Clemson got. So for sure on that one, tough on that one. Um, my next one is another over, and that is forty nine on Oklahoma State and West Virginia. Um, you don't see a lot of Big Twelve matchups at under fifty points, so I had to take advantage of that. Um, you. I mean, you have both of these squads averaging basically 30 points a game right now. So that would, you know, that's obviously making it 60. I mean, I will say it's lower because both of these defenses actually have been low key good. Um, they're already averaging, um, let's see, Oklahoma State's at 18 points per game, West Virginia's at 23. So, I mean, you could see these teams getting slowed down a little bit, but this is more me just trusting the history of the Big 12. And at some point, offenses are going to they're going to rise and they're going to make some big plays here. And um, it's just hard to go under, you know, 50 points, man. Like you just need 
you need a 28 point, somebody to score 28 points and you, you basically can lock that thing in. So I'm um, going to take the over again on that one for Oklahoma state and West Virginia. Yeah. I love it. Uh, anytime we, we need to have like a segment where we have our like weekly big 12 banger or something like that, because it seems like every week we're finding these conferences that are, you know, predominantly all offense and finding a sweet line to make some money on. Uh, I've got, I don't know what, I got these small market games this week. I don't know what I'm doing, but uh, final game for college uh, on my side, I'm going Marshall favored by one going down to FAU, the house that Lane built uh, taking the thundering herd here simply because of, and if you're a team that does well, like grabbing uh, transfer players, here's a guy you might want to look at in the future is uh, Marshall has freshman tailback Rasheen Ali. Now nobody's talking about him. He's got 800 yards on this, on the season, just under 150 carries, 150 carries trees. He's got 15 touchdowns already. He's averaging a touchdown every 10 carries and he's a freshman. Uh, they also got Grant Wells, who everybody remembers last year, the year before had like a five or six touchdown game as a freshman. This Marshall team's pretty good. Uh, they're not getting a lot of national attention simply because it's Marshall. They also got Stephen Gilmore. Yes, he's related to that Gilmore, the NFL corner Gilmore. He's got three picks on the year. So overall, I just like this team to go down and uh, this game, a, a win here against FAU puts them in the driver's seat in the East. So, hey, yeah, give me Grant Wells. Give me Rasheen Ali. Give me the, Mar you know, we are Marshall. Let's do it. I like this one. I'm going to just say it. We're going to put this one on our, we're going to Hell put yeah. this one on our thing. I like this. Sometimes you, sometimes you just got to bet on these games you that do. nobody pays attention to. Everybody bets LSU. Everybody yeah. bets, you know, the Penn state games. We got to get these, yep. you make your money on these other games. You do. You really do. I love it. Okay. That is part of it. So that's number two on our list. We already have one NFL game that we'll talk about here in a second. That means we got to find two more for our parlay, which we will. Um, so last week I was pounding the table that, Plus 18 and a half for um, Penn State was the lock of the week, and it was. And I was right. Like, there was no way Ohio State was beating Penn State by 18 and a half. It just wasn't going to happen. Like, Penn State's defense was just too good to be able to slow them down. Um, so, with that being said, I am now taking Ohio State this weekend, and they are at 14 and a half against Nebraska at Nebraska. I really, really wish this game was 13 and a half. I would feel way more confident that what that extra point makes me super nervous, but I have faith that Ohio state is going to want to score points. And part of me is, Hey, it's going to be these teams that get a little bit disrespected tonight during the, the rating show um, is Ohio state get disrespected. Are they behind Oregon or are they barely ahead of them? And they have to prove there's a reason why they have us ahead of Oregon, even though they beat us, right? Like that's going to be the big thing in tonight's show. I think Ohio State starts to run away with the Big Ten again, and it starts again in Nebraska this weekend. Yeah, so I really like this. Uh, really quick, I had to go grab the Ohio State schedule because I was worried of the look-ahead game because I know Michigan is a November game. And actually, so they play Nebraska this weekend. Then they have Purdue next weekend. And then the back-to-backs of Michigan State, Michigan. So I actually like Ohio State this weekend. If we didn't have such a full uh, college-heavy parlay already, this is one I'd nominate. But, uh, I, yeah, I like Ohio State to you know beat the doors off Nebraska, basically. And then next week when they play Purdue, that might be the game to take Purdue in a little bit of a trap game, a little bit of a look ahead. But this weekend I think you're safe. Like you said, uh, Ohio State's probably going to get ranked in that six-to-seven range tonight. 
where they'll be wanting to prove something come Saturday, you know, Hey, we're still Ohio state. We're the juggernaut here in the big 10. So I like that bet quite a bit. All right. Flip, let's move on to NFL. Say, Sorry. Flipping Sorry, over to the NFL side. Uh, I'll go first. Cause I got the Thursday night game. I'm taking the over at 46 and a half for Jets at Colts. There was a rumor this morning that the Colts were trying to get Devontae Parker from Miami. That apparently didn't uh, didn't come to fruition. But what they do have is our receiver, Michael Pittman Jr., uh, Bible study buddy number one. The Colts seemingly found the offense. They're like, hey, if we just pound it with JT23 and throw the ball up to Pittman, that 6'4 receiver, he'll just moss everybody. We can get touchdowns. So as long as Carson Wentz remains throwing with his right hand only, I think they'll be okay. I think they're going to put up a lot of points. And from the Jets side, Mike White, hey, tip of the cap to you. Welcome to the Jonas Gray fame because you got a one game. Prove it. You didn't do one game. Keep checking it down to the running backs, Michael Carter, Ty Johnson. I think we could have a sneaky, exciting Thursday game, which is a rarity these days. It really is. Um... So, yes, love the Michael Pittman thing. Yeah, our guy Michael Pittman there. Um, I also love that they're trying to get Mo, Mo Alley Cox more involved in well, as well, I should say. Um, so, really like that. JT23, your boy, I know that. Just being a stud, that's still one of my, my most upsetting things was the Jags have confirmed they were going to take him, and then the oh, Colts no. jumped them, and the Colts jumped them two picks ahead last last year. So, um Sad. Yeah, super sad. Um, they end up with the LaVisca Chenault, who's really struggling this year, but like super upset watching JT23 go off. And I'm like, oh, he should be a Jag. Um, I, I like this. Um, I, my only worry is it's just the Thursday night game. That's the only thing that makes short me rest. nervous on it. Yeah, the short rest thing. Um, what do they do with Zach Wilson? Let, let's just say the Jets win this game. Let's just say they find a way to pull out the Colts. Oh, with the Colts. Obviously, you're, you have to stick with Wilson. He's the number two overall guy. But, like, is there a legit chance that they're just like, Wilson, like, you're our guy, but we kind of got to sit you, like, if you're coming back healthy, right? Like, we got to sit you because we got to ride the hot hand, right? Like, it's bad coaching if you don't do that, right? Especially at the quarterback position. Uh, so – it's, 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 it's going to be interesting to see how the Jets play it. Uh, so they have the Colts this weekend and the Bills next weekend. So if they want – if let's say they win, okay, I would definitely, if I'm the Jets, say, okay, hey, Wilson's just not healthy yet, which is basically the nice way to say, listen, Zach, Mike White at that point will be 2-0 and as a starter. Hot, okay? That's, that's hot. Heat check time. Let him play the Bills let him get the shit beat out of him by the bills and, and then, then you go, can okay we're going back to zach wilson yeah uh, that, because that's i think ultimately point. this is a big year in the maturation of zach i think coming from byu to the jets you know that's a big jump byu up to the nfl so speed of the game just getting him familiar with the system and everything i think these reps are incredibly important for zach wilson and if he comes back after the bills game the next two games are the dolphins and texans so that'll probably go pretty well for yeah. the jets Yep. Yep. Exactly. I love it. I love it. Okay. Um, speaking of the bills, um, that leads into mine. They are minus 14 at Jacksonville. Usually try to stay away from those type of spreads in the NFL. I can't do it. I just can't. I'm taking Buffalo at minus 14. Diggs going to finally have that big, like 150 yard game Sanders. I expect at least multiple touchdowns from Sanders. Um, it's just going to be a bloodbath. 
Um, you and I were texting back and forth on Sunday quite a bit just because both of our teams are just sad and we just needed to be depressed and talk to each other about it. Um, Jacksonville looked so bad coming off of a bye. It was so disappointing. Like, oh. they, it was like, oh. what happened? Like, did you guys just walk? And it, there are actually legit reports that, like, they didn't start practicing again until, like, Thursday of this week. Like, it was just like, what? Irving, go back to college. Well, okay, like, so fuck, that's, fuck that's where I wanted to get was – you know, and obviously this isn't like a gambling show, but do you think Urban's just one and done? Like with the number of great college jobs out there, you know, that are, you know, presumably out there, do you think he just, do you think his ego is small enough to just say, Hey, if I want to keep coaching, I need to go back to college because the NFL just isn't for me. You know, Nick Saban did it where, you know, he was a stud at LSU, came out, went to Miami, it just, it just didn't quite click. And then he went to Alabama and, you know, now he's a God again. So do you think urban Meyer can self-actualize that maybe just the NFL isn't for him and he needs to head back to college? I hope so, man. Like, cause I don't actually, think the Jags will fire him. I they don't. Won't. They won't like their owner already came out today. and was like, yeah, we still have faith in him. I'm like, how do you have faith in a team that's one and six of getting blown the fuck out? Like, I just don't understand. Like they look unprepared. I mean, and like, it was such a huge mistake, like hiring like a first time defensive coordinator for a first time head coach. Like that's just, it's just a huge mistake that you can't make. You have to have guys that have been there, done that. Like, mm-hmm. even if they're boring picks, I mean, like. Well, I, I think the, the, the perfect example is when Sean McVay got hired by the Rams, they brought yeah. in Wade Phillips to be the defensive coordinator who had, you know, 50 years of tenure as an NFL defensive coordinator. He knew the ropes. And if McVay had any questions, you know, well, Hey, here, he's been there. He's yeah. done that. You have a soundboard where you have urban's been there, done that in the college side. Oh, okay. The NFL is a different animal. It is. You know, now you're actually paying your players legally. This is yeah. a different animal. So, so uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. The little bit I saw the Jags game, the body language isn't good. Uh, God, I hope they don't ruin Trevor because yeah. it, it's, you know, it's every bad. now and then he gets a dot, but at the same time, he's making the same mistakes he was making week one and two. So it's, where's yeah. the maturation? Yeah. I mean, that one's a tough one, right? Cause like Trevor actually, I feel like he actually has done a lot better, like the last four games compared to the first three, but like, dude, this receiving core is just so bad. So they have, oh, they're 12, all hurt. yeah, they're also all hurt, but they have 12 drops in the, third quarter alone this season like third quarter of games they have 12 drops like not in the season just in a specific quarter like halfway through a season like it's so bad i think they're i think overall they're third in the league and drops um i mean trevor makes throws and i'm just like holy shit like that's oh it's still there i mean the the talent is not in question Uh, speaking of players and drops and stuff uh and props whatever the jamal agnew receptions over under is if it's like it's in over four already. or five, just take the over. Just yeah, go ahead and exactly. take over because I feel like he's always getting the ball. He is, especially yeah, if James Robinson's hurt. Yeah, you know, exactly. they like to flex Dude, him all their, over. So he is playing like their best receiver right now. I mean, Marvin Jones is still good, but like like I mentioned earlier, like Chenault's just struggling right now. I don't know what it is, but like he's just struggling. Um, yeah, it's Agnew, man. So totally. Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, Shad Khan sees how amazing the Bills' offense is and goes. One would be awesome if that OC was my head coach. Hopefully that's what happens this weekend. And we're back on topic. Okay. <laughs> so Bills by 14. 
Yep. Uh, why don't you go again, Trees? Because my next one's a double dip. So we'll, we'll cool. go you and then me on two and then back to you. Sounds good. Uh, I'm going to take the over 41 on the New England Patriots and Carolina Panthers. Um, it is strictly just because that number is so low. I do think that Carolina kind of struggles to score some points. Um, maybe they get 17 is probably my guess there. Uh, but I think New England is going to be able to run the score up a little bit. I think I could see New England putting up 30 in this game. Um, Carolina's defense, I think that they're going to start to just wear down with the lack of production the offense has gotten the last few weeks. Um, so I can see some wear down. New England clearly has gotten that running game going the last few weeks. Um, 41 is just a low number. It's very similar to why I took the over 39 last week in that uh, San Francisco Chicago game, which was uh, ugly. I mean, they were uh, yeah <laughs> ugly, but still were over by like 20 points. So um, I kind of see this being the same way of just like I just see there being tons of garbage points in that late third quarter, early fourth um, to get this up and over the 41. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Carolina, we talked about it last week, but this is a team that is just really falling off. Uh, between Darnold and the defense too is struggling. Uh, Carolina is sneaky good at run defensively, but uh, I still think the Patriots can get it done with a uh, Mac and company. So yeah, I, I like that. So, all right. So yeah, so I have actually have a double dip here on a game that should scare the pants off everyone. And that's exactly why I'm betting on it is I have the Sunday night game of the bears. Uh, actually Steelers favored by six and a half. I'm taking the bears to cover that Matt Nagy. Listen, I want you as a devoted listener of this podcast to do me, the co-host a favor, stay home, just stay home. Don't come to this game. I don't want you coaching. Stay in Chicago. Don't go to Pittsburgh. Let whoever is calling plays last week, let them call plays. You know why? Because they looked at this shiny toy, this six foot four, 240 pound Greek God of a quarterback with athletic ability coming out of his ears and any other orifice that he deems responsible. And they just let him be an athlete. Let Justin Fields be an athlete. Let him be that rookie year Cam Newton. Hey, you're the size of a linebacker and you want to go crush a safety? Sweet dude, go out and do it. Okay, just be an athlete. I don't know if it's going to be David Montgomery. I don't know if it's going to be Khalil Herbert in this game. I have faith in either of them to run the ball. On the Steelers side, Najee Harris is going to touch the ball 30 times, and he might get a touchdown. That's It's been that way all year. So I like the Bears to cover here. I don't know if they're going to win, but I think they keep it within six and a half. And then the double dip comes here, folks, and it's the under. The It's 40, which once again, I am flirting with some low unders this week. But 40 for Bears-Steelers. These is two teams that just don't score points. <sighs> this feels like an ugly one. It does. It just feels like an ugly one. I'll have to check the weather. Hopefully it rains in Pittsburgh. Then I know the under will hit. But right now, I'm feeling pretty good about this under and the Bears keeping it within a touchdown. I, I need to make a little image of the – uh Austin Powers when he's gambling and he's like I'll stay on like six and it's like sir you're on six I also like to live dangerously that is Dan <laughs> Keeper right now freaking going the under on a 40 and don't worry on 40, dealer, dealer or bust we're not worried about it yeah we're, we're good we're good uh I I mean I don't hate it is the problem is that I, I wish I that's could the thing this. I don't hate it like um yeah uh, I, the 41 scares me. The plus six and a half, I kind of actually low 
low-key dig it. So you just um, want to know if Matt Nagy's coaching or not. Yeah, really. You really do. And I'm with you. Let Justin Fields do his thing. Eventually, when he does that more and more often, Allen Robinson is just going to take off. Like, I know he's been so bad this year and he was bad again last week, but eventually, dude, cornerbacks and safeties are going to be jumping up the moment they see Fields out of the pocket because they're going to be like, shit, this guy's going to run and it's going to let Allen Robinson get open. Like, he's going to take off in the second half. And, like, please, with Darnell Mooney, just one time a game, just once, just just once I'm asked for, run a slugger route, run that slant you've been running all year, and then just have him plant and cut that thing upfield. Please. See ya. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think I saw. Robinson on the season is averaging three for 31 or something like that, which is just yeah. disgusting. He's getting out of Chicago at the end of the year. He, uh, he absolutely <laughs> is. He, um, yeah, he's like not even top. I want to say not even top 40 in the NFL in targets. Like how is Alan Robinson not top 40? It's, <laughs> it's disgusting. So, all right, moving on to the next one. Um, we got, I got, I should say, the Rams at minus seven and a half versus Tennessee on Sunday night football next week. It's plain and simple. Um, Derrick Henry, the beast, the MVP that we had in this season of finally getting away from my quarterback winning that position or that award, I should say, breaks his foot out for the season, um, put on IR. How on earth can you not think that the Rams are going to just dominate when Tennessee Literally, like seventy percent of their offense was goes through one player, and that player is gone. Like you now have to prove it. Um, the, the now the question is: is does like and um, does AJ Brown start taking on this like crazy workload of like, like 40, a Texans DeAndre Hopkins type load? I mean, why not like a Cooper Cup of the Rams? Oh, hey, yeah, like right, like a like a forty five percent target share, like whatever. But I mean, like. We all praised the Julio Jones trade from Tennessee. It's been bad. It has been a bad trade for Tennessee. You're talking to a guy who last year in Dynasty acquired Julio two weeks before the playoffs because that was going to be my missing piece. He didn't play a snap the rest of the season, and now now I'm sitting there on him. I have him on my Dynasty team, and it's like, oh, Julio's playing. Three catches, he's done for the day. All right, see you in five weeks. Hey, Julio's back. Saturday practices all week. Yeah, I'm not playing. Like, dude, I'm sorry. It, Julio is great. He's, you know, one of the best receivers in the last 15 years, our lifetimes, our fanhoods. Dude, get your ass on the field and catch some damn passes because right now your team needs you, especially against the Rams, where I would imagine Jalen Ramsey is going to look at AJ Brown and go, mine. So, yes. Uh, like you said, Derrick Henry's gone. The Yeti is gone. The the unbreakable imbra- object has broken. What are you going to do? You know, Jeremy McNichols isn't isn't Derrick Henry, so somebody needs to go with these targets. They need to go somewhere, and I don't think Chester Rogers is the guy. So Julio needs to put on his big boy pants and make some damn plays on the field because otherwise they're going to get boat raced week in and week out. They are. Yeah. Um, they have a nice schedule. Thank goodness for them. Like they still play the Jags and, you know, they play the Texans, I think twice still like they, they have a chance to like still make the playoffs and shit just because of their easy schedule. But man, it is, it's going to be very interesting how this all plays out. So yeah. I'm taking the Rams seven and a half. And honestly, I think it's not that hard of a pick. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. And this might be our last parlay leg because unless Ryan Tannehill goes bananas, 
which seems to only happen when he's throwing off play action crossers, which, hey, it, if that's going to happen, then Jeremy McNichols or Adrian Peterson needs to have a huge game. And I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm right there with you. I don't think Tannehill is going to go bananas. I think the Rams are just once again going to keep rolling. And that's a team that's riding a high right now because they just acquired Von Miller. They are officially all in. And if you want to get the best out of your team, let them know that from the front office and ownership down, everyone is all in on one season and believing in you. That's, I mean, you want to talk about having something to play for. This is a team that is has one goal right now, and it is a Super Bowl championship. 53 men walking in one direction, and that is a dangerous thing. So, yeah, I, I love that Rams pick. So unless we fall madly in love with one of these last picks, I think that's going to be, uh, that's going to be part of the parlay. We have uh, another one we match on here. So last one we match on of the day. Uh, we both have Green Bay covering one against Kansas City. So we both have basically Green Bay beating the Kansas City Chiefs. For me, this is simply a, I think Devontae uh, Adams does come back and the Aaron Rodgers revenge tour just keeps going. The Chiefs are seemingly in shambles right now. And I don't know if it's going to be Frank Gore, Derek Gore, Al Gore. I don't know who's going to be running the ball for the Chiefs, but either way, Patrick Mahomes look lost. Maybe he should take notes and Aaron Rodgers, his brother, you know, who knows? Uh, I'm not going to tell him what to do, but it wouldn't be a bad idea because the Chiefs right now are a mess. They really are. Um, yeah, it's very funny that Derek Gore looks better than CEH has looked in his entire career. Um, so that's a that's a tough go at it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I almost I was just like, do I just say money line on this? Because I'm like, now yeah, it's, it's one. So it's one. So I'll just get the uh, I mean, I'll get extra money and, you know, extra odds if I take the spread here. So, yeah, sure. Give me give me Green Bay. I mean, they're just looking so good. I just. I could see, I mean, both of these wide receivers, probably the two best wide receivers in the NFL, right? Like you got Tyreek Hill, you got Devontae Adams. I, I think they both kind of go nuclear in this game. Like I could see them both going off, but I just, I mean, we just watched what Kansas City did on a Monday night game at home. Against the Giants. Against the Giants in a game where they, like they were supposed to go off because like of how bad they'd looked the previous weeks, you know, against like Tennessee and stuff like you thought they would come out and like really show it. They're just not, man. Like it's, it's, I don't know what to explain. I don't know how to explain it. I mean, they're still a four and four team, but it's the most uninspiring four and four team there is. I just see Aaron Rodgers continuing to go, man. Like uh, start of the season, I chose green Bay versus the bills in the super bowl. And I still feel very, very confident yeah, in that pick. Definitely and, would. Um, so yeah, give me green Bay. It just seems that like the more cards you stack against Aaron Rodgers, the better he plays. So with Robert Tunyon being out, you know, Hey, that's one more card stacked against Aaron. And I mean, Hey, we see it. Everybody sees it. I know Aaron sees it. If you want to have big plays against the chiefs, look over on the other side, find Daniel Sorensen and just throw the ball right at him. Because one of your guys is going to swing by and it's going to be a huge play. That uh, he is terrible. He's so bad. Like I can already call it right now. What's going to happen. MVS is coming back. He's going to beat him deep on some post route. He's going to get like a 70 yard touchdown. And then also he's probably going to just toss one up to like Alan Lazard and Alan Lazard's just going to fucking body him and be like, (laughs) okay, here's a 50 yard catch on you. Like, thank you very much. Like, We've already seen it. Like it, it's happened already. It's it's yeah, Tuesday it of the week. week before, and it, it's already happened. Like yeah, it's I, they're so I'm right bad. There with you. 
So uh, my last pick uh, here makes me sad because it's a line you should take. And everything says you should take it, but this is a team that's just hurt me a lot and I'm scared they're going to do it again, is I am taking the Miami Dolphins at home at Hard Rock Stadium, favored by six and a half, so a touchdown, against the Houston Texans. And this is a game that they should win. Two has looked good the last couple weeks. The trade deadline passed today. Deshaun Watson is still a Houston Texan, not a Miami Dolphin, so exhale. This is your team for the year. So Tua should definitely take this as I have nine games now to prove I am the guy for this organization. And Devontae Parker is still there. Jalen Waddle is still there. Mike Isecki is still there. Hey, the gang's all together. This Texans team is bad and they're spiraling. The only thing that worries me about this line is if Tyrod Taylor comes back because he's been able to really have some fun with Brandon Cooks. That's the only thing that I could see screwing this line up. But here early in the week, I like Miami six and a half. So you probably just saw me on my phone. I was literally Googling, is Tyrod Taylor coming back? <laughs> because I think he's eligible to come back, but there's no... Yeah, like they said last week, he's not close. Or they didn't say close. They said he's not ready to come back. Does that one week, is he ready? Because that is my only concern with this game is if Tyrod Taylor plays. Um, but before I get into this game a little bit, you said something very interesting in that. And you, you said it on purpose. So I'm, I want to get your take on this. You purposely said Tua is your quarterback for this year. Like yep. you, you purposely said that. Yep. So are you saying uh, because so- you think they trade him or what? I'm saying that because they have had every, and this is from uh, Chris Greer to Brian Flores to Stephen Ross, the owner. Every single one of them has had ample opportunity to come out and say, Tua is our franchise quarterback. We took him with the number five overall pick. He was the center of our rebuild. He is our guy. Okay. They have had every opportunity to come out and say that. And instead they have said the same thing at every single interview. And that is, Tua Tungvaloa is our quarterback this year. And it's never just been Tua as our quarterback. It's Tua as our quarterback this year. So that door is still open. Deshaun has came out and said, I'm only going to one team. I'm going to the Miami Dolphins. Figure it out. That's the only team that he has ha- uh, waived his no trade clause for. That's the only team that the Texans have given permission to talk to Watson about. So I think eventually this is probably a deal that, I mean, hey, it's been reported every week for nine months. I think, yeah, this offseason, there's a good chance it happens unless Tua you know, goes bananas. And they're like, maybe we should keep those five draft picks and a quarterback and just build around them. Who knows? Uh, so right now, yeah, I think right now, if I had to like bet a long term that this deal gets done, it probably does. But uh, hey, but specifically about this game, I forgot to mention that uh, last week, Miami's defense looked awesome against the Bills in the first half. Apparently that's because they, uh, Xavier Howard let it slip. The all pro corner let it slip that they're just now calling the plays they were calling last season. Like apparently the personnel didn't have the playbook down yet. All the new personnel they brought in to 
play a non-bland defense. So it's like, dear God, it took you nine weeks. I mean, offensively, they still have guys that aren't lining up, right? Mike Gusecki got hit with a ball because he was screaming at Jalen Waddle to line up somewhere. And then once he got lined up, Mike went in motion on third and five and got hit with a snap. I mean, this is this is what we're dealing with here. So this is a coaching issue. Uh, but yeah, I, I still think they beat the Texans by a touchdown. I do. Yeah. They have to, dear God, they please. Otherwise, go find me on the edge of a bridge. <laughs> Exactly. Um, interesting. Oh man, it's gonna be. It's gonna make just the NFL just that much more interesting this off season. Like watching this all play out. So, all right, last one for me. I'm going in over on this one, and I'm going over 47 with Cincinnati and Cleveland. Um, I think Cleveland. I think they get their offense rolling a little bit strictly just because now they don't have to worry about the whole noise of is OBJ staying is he leaving whatever so they can finally just kind of focus in on that um you have nick chubb that now has a game back so he's got his feet you know feet wet in a sense and so now he can start running the ball um and then cincinnati we know what cincinnati can do on offense so um 47 it's you know i i still don't think it's that high honestly i could see this being a high scoring game so um it does make you a little nervous, like AFC North games. You just picture those being low-scoring games. But um, I think both of these offenses have that potential of just you know going off and this being a 35-31 type game, even though Cleveland obviously just had a typical AFC North game against the Steelers of a very low-scoring game last week. Yeah, and hey, don't forget, uh, Cincinnati has that taste of we just lost to the goddamn Jets in our mouth also and true. I'm sure they're going to be pretty motivated to put some points on the board. Uh, yeah, I really like that. I do worry about Baker, even though it's his non-throwing arm, he's just looked a little off oh, and uh, I kind of want your take on how you feel about not, oh, not necessarily Odell specifically, but players and people coming out saying like, they will not throw my, my guy the ball. I don't know if you saw, but Odell's dad came out today and was like, I can prove to you that they are purposely not throwing him the ball. Uh, that's got to be toxic in a locker room. So toxic. And, you know, people say, oh, you know, we're just worried about the 53 guys in the locker room. Yeah, bullshit, because one of them's dad is flapping right now. And uh, no different than when, you know, LeVar Ball had his 15 seconds of fame. Uh, I'm just wondering how you think that impacts the Browns uh, this Sunday. Like, you think Odell's going to get targets? Or I do just because their head coach was just like, I need to be more – creative and better at getting him more involved and like what he had he only had two targets last week um, yeah something like that yeah he had one cat no he had one target and one catch right um so yeah like i think that i think if he's ever gonna go big like this is the game <laughs> like they just force feed him a little bit so right um well i mean before he got hurt last year he had a couple he was starting to have big games where they were you know like using them on reverses and reverse passes because he's a great athlete people cannot take that away from odell you know he's a very versatile he's a good athlete it's just you know he tore the acl and then he's just been nothing this year so far yeah so actually one of the um i wouldn't say one of the first it was like at the beginning of last season like before the season started on one of the talking football episodes i actually said that OBJ is the most overrated wide receiver in the NFL because he's a fantastic athlete. I don't know if he's a fantastic wide receiver. Like um, obviously he was great in the giants and like what he did this first few years was unbelievable. But like, Mm -hmm. you're also like, man, was it Eli Manning? Like that really helped him. Was it like, it's, it's weird to say though, but like, was it like Eli was like, 
he would put it, the ball like on the spot all the time. Are we you sure? Know? So, are we sure it wasn't just uh, McAdoo? Are we sure it wasn't McAdoo? Now we're now we're getting crazy here. Right? Now, now we're reaching. <laughs> yeah, now we're reaching. But like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it's weird. So, um, I don't know. Like, if if he doesn't get the targets and doesn't get the yards this this week, I think you start seeing. Cleveland Browns Twitter at least go nuts. Like, why the hell didn't we trade this guy? Yeah, why are we paying this guy? I really why? actually uh, today was the trade deadline, and I wanted so bad for Odell to go to Green Bay. And I usually don't root for the Packers, but I think it would just be a really fun dynamic of Aaron Rodgers, who like honestly doesn't care what anyone does ever. Just I'm just here to do my job, and if you're with me, great. If you're against me, good for you. And uh, to have Odell come in and like, you know, be kissing the nets and doing all his things. So I thought that would have been a fun dynamic. And they, I think they really could have, that would have been an offense. It would have been an offense. Um, There are reports that like at the start of the day, it was like, Hey, we're not trading him. Like we're good to go. But then it was reports at late towards the deadline. It was like the saints have an offer. Ooh, it's close. It's close. But then they just didn't offer like, they didn't move up like one round in draft picks, like or or it would have gotten done. I think the biggest thing was like who pays who, right? Like that's crazy. That, like like last year, I don't know if you remember, but last year uh, Green Bay was apparently all in on Will Fuller, yeah, and the Texans yeah. wanted to trade him, and the Texans wanted a two. Green Bay wanted to give a five, and the Texans said, "Well, make it a four, and we have a deal." And Green Bay won't come up to a four. And so instead, Houston, instead of getting a five for Will Fuller, they just let him walk. Let him walk. It's like, Like, is this so stupid to me? So stupid. So, yeah. So this isn't that stupid on both sides, though, right? Like, if you're Green Bay, like, just give up the four. (laughs) Like, it's still a day three pick. (laughs) Exactly. And then you have him in the building to re-sign him for next season, you know? Exactly. Uh, uh, Yeah. So, whatever. Those, Those front offices, man. I know. But, hey, we have four legs of a five-leg parlay done. We do. Um, so I am, I'm going to propose, I'm going to, I want you to propose one of mine. I'll propose one of yours and then, okay. we'll, and then we'll see. I'll start. Um, it's going to be the six and a half for Miami for the Dolphins. <laughs> That's going to be mine. Ugh. I know. Uh, so I think you're, so I'm torn. I'm between the over and that Cincinnati Cleveland. We talked about that, but I also really like Buffalo at Jacksonville. Um, God, but I'd hate to. I'd hate to have our parlay die on one of our teams. Totally. So I think we keep Jacksonville, Miami out of this, and we just go Cincinnati, Cleveland. We'll go Cincinnati, Cleveland. I, the last thing I want to do is have us lose a parlay because one of our favorite Whatever. teams. No, I, like, I get it's that. bad enough that we both put them in a bet. Uh, yeah. We're not gonna. We're not losing a parlay because of them. I I don't disagree there. Okay, we'll That's go. A, we'll, we'll go Cleveland over Cleveland, Cincinnati over forty-seven. Yeah, that's a pure sanity pick. That's all that is. It is. It uh, really so is. the five-leg parlay is on the college side, Kentucky uh, getting one. I'm sorry, Kentucky covering one against Tennessee and Marshall against FAU. On the NFL side, we have the Packers, Rams, and then the over in the Cincinnati-Cleveland game. Love it. Okay. That Great. does it for us. That's awesome. Yep. Okay. I'm not saying anything else about it this week. Not doing nope. it. Yep, no, nope, we gotta just walk away from it here. So awesome. Uh, well, another great episode. Here, there's all the games that we would be betting on and that we probably will be betting on. So um, good luck to everybody this weekend. And tonight we've been talking football. <laughs> <laughs>